Hello and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. As you know, Fisherman's Post has been coming at you since 2003, bringing the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina fishing reports, fishing information, fishing events, fishing schools, and now in this latest chapter, the Saltwater Podcast Series. And in this Saltwater Podcast Series, what we do is we reach out to our friends, our guide and captain friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share their insights on fishing to help our audience catch more fish more often. And while more fish more often is the goal, I think another goal is just to give you confidence, to get you motivated to go out on the water and for you to spend more time with family and friends more often on the water. I am, in this episode, we are gonna be talking about live bait and artificials for fall trout going to be talking to Captain Trip Hooks of Captain Hook Outdoors out of the Ocean Isle area. And, you know, we're going to keep it pretty simple. We're going to go live bait. We're going to talk about rigs and technique. And then we're going to move over to artificials, talk about rigs and technique. And that's going to be our show today. Um, I am joined this week, as I am every week, by Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative, my co-host. And welcome, Billy. What's going on, Gary? Good to see you. It's been a while. It has, man. It's been a while. You've been fishing a lot? I've been fishing You've some. Been fishing. I can finally answer that question <laughs> and say yeah. yes. Well, I went I went yesterday and did get on the redfish, so I was super happy. I haven't eaten them yet, but it's happening. You look happy. I, w- I was happy. It was the happiest day of my life. I'm, anyway. If some red drum have to die for your happiness. <laughs> Why not, right? Why not? I can't kill a flounder and keep them. Not right now, so I'm going to Not kill legally. A, I'm t- <laughs> well, I'm not saying anything on the air. <laughs> I don't think he chased me down for that anyhow. Oh, man, this is looking good for our sponsors. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Uh, speaking of sponsors, super excited to have Marine Warehouse Center on as a sponsor. Uh, Gary got a little message from them, and we'll be right back. This is Preston with Marine Warehouse Center. We're your headquarters for Carolina Skiff, Sea Chaser, Paramarine, and Sailfish Boat. If you're looking for tons of features and value without compromise, come check out our inventory in person or check us out online. Love Marine Warehouse. Awesome. Got, got, you got my hat on. I love them more. But I've been hanging out there. I've been hanging <laughs> oh, out. Oh, okay. I got you. You're part of the you been part spending of the some time group. with Terrell. Maybe you, you know, uh, recently we were, having a, we were having some birch beer and eating oh, actually some oh. sizzling bacon. You remember sizzling bacon? <laughs> nope. I sure don't. And as I've been saying in recent podcasts, Terrell, man, he's, he's got some good jokes. You want to hear one of Terrell's jokes? I'd love to. Love to. And again, we were drinking birch beer, eating some sizzling bacon. Why did the fish blush? I don't know. Because it saw the ocean's bottom. <laughs> well, that's I'm just that's on Terrell. That's not on me, man. Oh. I'm just telling Terrell's. I'm just telling Terrell's joke. There we go. There we go. How to watch, how to listen. <laughs> I don't know if I want people to watch and listen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so here we go. Watch and listen. Um, we're on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and as always on YouTube where you can watch the video. If you want to know what a couple of idiots talking about fishing look like, go over there and subscribe to that channel. Uh, we're really excited to be building that up, Gary. So we appreciate people watching and leaving comments. Let us know what they like, what they don't like. Agreed, man. I eat feedback for breakfast. Unless they say they don't like my face, I can't do anything about it. 
I so, eat feedback for breakfast. For breakfast. I'm going to guess you got that from someone that maybe you came up with that. No, I like it I a lot. I don't come up with anything. All right. I like it a lot, copy by the paste. way. Oh, um, man. Show me a fish photo. Here we go. I was going to sneak one of my fish photos in here, but... I'm waiting. Mike Stowe has done a, a fantastic job in, in Ohio here. Well, he's not in Ohio, but he's from Ohio with a speckled trout that he caught in Currituck Sound using a fly rod. I may have butchered that. I no, don't know. You nailed it. Good. Well, I can't speak for his last name. That would be my guess. His last name, but you did get Kurtuk sound down. Okay, Kurtuk. Okay, good. I yeah. was, I was, cu- I was worried about that one. Trout on the fly, right? Props for that. Trout on the fly, man. I'm, I'm excited about that. You caught some albie on the fly, or beneath albacore on the fly. Albacore on the fly. Super jealous, I'm man. To my list. Super jealous. But Billy, this is the time where I say, hey, look, you can't just press buttons and play on your phone. You have to pay attention. All right. Because at the end of the podcast, at the end of this episode, I'm coming to you for Billy's best takeaway. And I'm going to have a great one because Tripp's in the house. And he's got a lot of information. He's a smart guy. I follow him on I Instagram. Hope so. I hope he doesn't mess this up. Well, if he does, I'll just the hard drive will crash. <laughs> All right. I'm, go to you, Gary. Take this away. Hello, Captain Trip Hooks of Captain Hook Outdoors out of Ocean Isle. It's a treat. Known your dad for such a long time. Known you, you know... For as long, not as long a time, but a long time too. Pleasure to talk to you about trout, man. Welcome to the podcast studio. Thank you. All right. So as I set up, we're talking about live bait and artificials for fall trout. And we're going to start with live bait, then we're going to move to artificials. But before we get to that, we've got two questions for you. Two questions. Um, One is, you know, we're vetting it. You know, we always ask you to sort of support yourself to our audience. Why? Question number one, why should our audience listen to what you have to say about a speckled trout? Well, um, I've caught quite a few of them. You have. That's a valid answer, but... That's absolutely um, valid. I tend to think that's probably one of my strong points. Um, That's definitely my favorite thing to target, and trout fishing around our area is probably, I mean, in my opinion, the best on the East Coast. We... Right we catch them really good down our way. So You do catch them good down your way. That's part of the reason I reached out to you. And by the way, I usually let people know that question's coming. I don't know why I didn't let you know that that question was coming. So I that appreciate you could it. Pre-prepare yeah. an answer. I swear I like you. I swear that I didn't try to sabotage <laughs> you. But you're not going to tell I like you from the second question. The second question is our traditional non-fishing related question. And I had help from this from my 15-year-old, if that helps us set up just how poor of a question this is going to be. Perfect. So what I did is I looked at your name, Captain Hook Outdoors, and you guys always abbreviate Captain. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to come up with an abbreviation question. Are you with me so far? I am. All right, this is an abbreviation question, non-fishing related. So if quiz is short for quizzical, what is test short for? (laughs) Am I supposed to answer that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think i know the answer no don't answer it. okay <laughs> again i knew it you did i, I believe I, know the answer, I can tell so. i can tell thank you my 15 year old for bringing the show down <laughs> so now trip let's talk trout you know we're going to talk about live bait and artificials you know i think just randomly said let's talk about live bait first and we're going to do rigs and techniques. So first you're going to, I think, let us know like how to prepare, like what we're going to tie on terminal tackle, and then we'll talk more about the application of it. That sound right? Yeah, sounds right. good. What do you got for me for a live bait rig? Um, so, man, here's just you know your standard float rig. Um, bobber stopper up top, you know, then a bead just to make sure your cork doesn't slide through the stopper. Um, then you got to wait. It depends on what size cork you're using. Um, 
I tend to think the smaller the better, but that's just because I can I can see it really well. Um, you know, if someone doesn't have as good eyes, and you probably want to use a bigger cork so you can see it further away. Um, but with you always have to match your weight, you know, to the size of the cork. With this cork, a three eighths is what you want to use under it, and that's just to stand the bobber up. Um, no weight, you know, it's going to sit like this, and it's just really hard to see it. You can't tell if you get bit by a pinfish or anything like that. Sure. So, um, then I just go to a barrel swivel. Um, after that, I usually um, I try to use lighter fluorocarbon under the swivel than I do on top. That's just because, you know, who wants to tie the whole rig again if you break off? Hold it up in front of you a little bit more. Oh, the yeah. people, there we go. Sorry about that. That's all right. There you go. Because we got a headshot tight on you, and I, so. I hear you. Um, all right, like so a, let's walk through that rig. So the line in your finger coming into the bobber, is that the line from the reel, or is that something you're tying to like a barrel swivel or something? Um, it can be either way. I I usually tie about 15 foot of fluoro to my braid um, okay. with a surgeon's knot, anything like that. Um, and so that's, why, why 15 foot? Uh, that's just how deep you're going to float it. You know, if you're fishing in three to five foot of water, then you wouldn't need that much fluoro. But okay. in some of the places I'm fishing, I'm floating it. 15 foot deep so um, so why fluoro with where the bobber's floating um like i said you don't have to do that you can do it just with braid but i okay. tend to think since trout have such a soft mouth um that just gives you a little more stretch than okay. straight braid does so totally makes sense and then you got the bot so we're just walking through more slowly what you said so then we got the bead up top yep and then that's your size bobber. The size of the bobber depends on really comfort level or just choice. It really has no strategic effect to change out the mm -hmm. size of bobber. Yep. And then, you know, so you figure out you want just enough weight underneath the bobber to keep it straight or you want a good amount of weight to keep it straight? Yeah, just enough to stand it up without a bait on it. So usually I'll tie, you know, just the barrel swivel under it if you don't know what size weight's going to float it and then just drop it down and make sure it floats you know, stands up with stands that up. size weight and doesn't sink it. If you put too much weight, it's going to sink it all the way down. Right. Yeah, that's not going to work. So. And then you have a barrel swivel. Now let's now let's go a little bit more slowly. What happens after the barrel swivel? So that is fluoro because we are talking trout and trout are finicky. Yes. And what size fluoro you like? Um, in our area, the water is pretty dirty ninety percent of the time. So I know they have a lot more trouble. You know, up this way with. The water being clear, they go really light, but I usually go 20 on top and 15 on the bottom, and that's just because, like I said, if you you know your hook gets hung, you can break this off and still have the cork, the bead, the stopper, and all that. So that's so, that's the goal at least. So a little river, like a little bit dirtier water. Yep. So we can go a little heavier, but in the clear water, scale down even more. For sure. Um, if it does get clear, I usually go to 10, 12-pound fluoro, but like I said, it doesn't doesn't happen very often. And is that length pretty standard from the yeah. barrel to the treble? Um, Same thing, depending on how deep you're fishing. Sometimes, I mean, I'll end up fishing in two foot of water, and you'd want to make this a little shorter, you know, but I wouldn't go any shorter than about 12 inches, 12 okay. to 15, something like that. So. And then pinching that weight about halfway through yep um just a split shot halfway down that just makes sure your shrimp stays down you know if you got a big old shrimp you might just swim up top and that's not gonna work either and so is there a strategy between why you have it halfway down i mean i um, figure we might as well be thorough 
Yeah, that's just so. If you had it all the way down, I just feel like that's more for them to see. Right. So, you know, like you said, the trout are really finicky, and you add the weight right on top of the hook, that's a lot more for him to see than having it above the weight a good bit like that. So, so now, treble hook. What about the size of the treble hook? Uh, I always use a number six. And then again, it's one of those things depending on the size of the bait you're fishing. So if you've got a really small bait, use a really small hook. If you've got a big bait, use a big hook. All right. So that's my standard live bait rig. And really it's shrimp and only shrimp. Is that the game you're talking about in the fall? Um, on this rig, I'm pretty much only floating shrimp. Um, you know, I'll fish other live baits, but just different ways. Okay. Um, I'll float a mudman or a real small mullet every now and then on this, but you know, a bigger live bait is just going to swim with it and you can't really control it. All so. right. So let's talk about technique then. So if that's my bit, if that's my live bait rig for trout and we're hooking the shrimp and you know, you can speak for a minute about how to hook the shrimp, but I know there's plenty of videos out there for how to hook a shrimp, but we'll talk to it. We'll talk to it briefly. And then I don't know. What are you going to do? You're going to set me up maybe Little River Jetties? You're going to just set me up in general? Um, yeah. So I always hook the shrimp right behind the horn. You'll see two black dots on it, and you want to go right between the two. Um, any other way usually kills them. Some people hook them in the tail, but it's never been as effective for me. Gotcha. So, um, and setting up at the jetties, um, I usually like to get probably 20 feet off just somewhere you can drift a really long way so that's with these your goal is always to have as much space as you can get if there's four or five boats around you just you know roll on find somewhere else because like i said these fish are all going to be really tight together so you might float a hundred yards and never get a bite and then in that one spot there he is so, so you'll be anchored up on the jetties spot lock anchored spot or spot lock yep so i usually start as close to the tip as i think i have enough line to reach it so, you know, I'll let it float all the line I've got just to make it to the tip. So. And I'm going in with my memory bank, which isn't as good as it used to be. And so since we're talking about the jetties, like there's a problem if I get too close because I'll get unintended bites or or it's okay as long as you're just not hitting the bottom. Um, I pretty much just try to keep it off the bottom. So... If I've got two people fishing, I'll put one set up at about five feet, you know, fishing really close to the jetties, okay. and then put another one at like 10 that's a good ways off. And like I said, sometimes I'll end up trying 15, you know, you just got to find the depth. So sometimes they'll be closer, sometimes they'll be further off, but you get much closer than about five foot down. It tends to be a lot more pinfish and stuff like that. So, so I didn't even imagine we're going, I mean, we'll talk about something other than the jetties, but like if... You're spot locked on, and you got a couple of clients on the boat, and you're, they're getting ready to do it for the first time. I mean, what are you telling them? You telling them to do they even cast? Do they just drop it in the water? And then how do you guide them? You know, say a first timer, and say this is how you're going to main contact, and this is how you're going to be prepared to set the hook if it goes under. Mm -hmm. Set the hook quickly. Um, so the biggest problem I have, you know, is that much slack there's that much current you're going to have a lot of slack in your line obviously and that's just one of those things that you can't really you can't really change it it's going to happen and that that's why i use a treble hook um i tend to think that these i don't miss many so all right um so but i usually i'll get close enough to where they don't have to cast it you know they can just drop it off the back of the boat and let it float down 
So are they letting the line out? Are they manually letting the line out? Or are they just letting it peel off with their hand on the bale? Um, I leave the bale open, like on the spinning reel, you know, just keep twitching your rod where you don't ever want to make contact with the cork. Like if you ever, you know, you don't want to get tight on it. So right. you always want to let it be free floating. And then if you get too much slack, you know, I'll reel up for just a second just to get tight on it and then let it go again. So. And then the bobber goes under real, real, real or real, real set a hook. Um, I've had the most success just reeling as fast as you can. And then, you know, as soon as you feel it tighten up, slack off. But like we said, you know, those trout, they have really soft mouths. So you set the hook after you've had that much slack in it. They've had the bait in their mouth for God knows how long. And then you jerk it right out their mouth. Um, so. And then fighting the fish in, you got a light drag, I guess, just because of the south, soft mouth? Yep. Um, we run a really light drag. Probably, I don't want to say how much, but it's, you know, where you can pull it pretty gently. It's, okay. It's better to be too loose than too tight always. So, And is there any trouble, is there anything you try to troubleshoot with your clients on the boat, like mistakes that they might make on fighting the fish that you can give pointers to our people? Yeah. Um, the biggest, biggest thing is setting the hook. That's, that's what we have the most trouble with. You know, a lot of people are trying to transition from bass fishing to coming out here and doing this. And as soon as they see that thing go under, they try to jerk it. And first of all, you know, you're not even touching him because you got so much slack. You're nowhere close to the fish in the first place. But, um, you know, if they set the hook the right way on the fish, it usually either pulls the hook or breaks them off just because we're using such light stuff. And then just keeping the rod tip up as you're trying to get the fish close enough to the net? Yep. We just, you know, leave the rod tip up, keep reeling steadily. Um, if you have a big one, you know, you got to treat them a little different because it's going to be a little harder to catch, but never putting a lot of pressure. So. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If I let out a secret that the Little River Jetties are a trout spot, I apologize for letting out that secret. It's all right, man. Um <laughs> But, I mean, you know, every, it seems to me everyone knows the Little River Jetties are a fantastic trout destination. So I am using that to set up my next question. Certainly not asking you to point out anything on Google Earth, but what are some other – again, people are going to watch this, and they're not even going to be in your area. They're going to fish Wrightsville. They're going to fish Outer Banks. They're going to fish their part of the coast. What are some terrains, some areas that typically hold trout? Um, Man, a big – a big spot for me that, you know, gets looked over by a whole lot of people is just in the waterway. Um, any kind of shell bank is going to hold fish. Doesn't matter how deep it is. Um, I've got some that, like I said, it'll be two, three foot deep on the shell bank, and I catch some of the biggest trout I catch right up there shallow. So um, either that or I've started messing around more, you know, trout fishing shallower this year. Everybody knows, you know, drum fishing shallow is the way to go, but... In the wintertime, those trout are just like the reds. So okay. you you know, you get into a school of reds in the back of a small creek in two or three foot of water, there's usually a big five, six, seven pound trout mixed in with them. Oh, right on. Yeah. What do you think it is about the shelly banks that make it a trout habitat? Um, man, I feel like in the winter, um, I really think somehow the shells stay warmer than the mud does. So with the sun beating down on it, I just think those shells stay a little bit warmer than the mud that sits Okay. Well, I think I'm coming to the end of my questions for live bait. 
But I always like to sort of give you any final thoughts on live bait. Again, sir, we hope someone calls and books you. They should. I've had great trips with you. You know, maybe they're going to use this information and try it out themselves. Any final thoughts for someone who's thinking, yeah, man, I'm I'm definitely going to give live baiting for trout a kick this this fall. Yeah, um, and you know, getting away from shrimp. um, You know, it doesn't have to be a live shrimp. You know, you can catch them on mullet or mud minnows, anything like that. It's just. I usually try to put them on a jig head or just, you know, a split shot just with a circle hook um, just to kind of let them free swim a little bit. But any kind of live bait after about the middle of November will catch a trout. Because not everyone has access to live shrimp. Exactly. It gets really tough to get them. Or the checkbook for live shrimp because they can get pricey. They can. Especially if the pinfish haven't vacated then live shrimp can get up quick. Oh, yeah. It's tough to go pay, you know, $8, $10 a dozen for them and Oof. lose half of them to a pinfish. It's it frustrating. That hurts me. Yeah. As a as a frugal per- business owner, that hurts it's, me. It's terrible. Well, let's transition into artificials because I know people have an interest. I mean, they're interested in trout, interested in artificials. Where do we start that conversation, man? Soft baits, hard baits? Either way. it's Soft bait. Sounds good. Um my favorite is anything with a paddle tail, really. Z-Man, Saltwater Assassin. Um, Saltwater Assassin, I think, is probably my favorite. They make that four-inch paddle tail in every color in the world. So you find something that works for you, and you stick with it. But uh, matching you know, your bait color to the watercolor is really important. Um, matching if, the bait color to the watercolor? Well, if it's dark, I usually would throw something a little brighter. So if you know, you're in coffee-colored water like we are our way, I throw a lot of chartreuse or a chartreuse tail, um, whereas clear water, I like a purple or a white, something like that. Okay. Um, and four-inch paddle tail, and why is, I'm, I even forgot what you said was your favorite right now. Oh, the saltwater assassin. And why is that your favorite right I've now? Because I've caught the most fish on it. Simple enough. <laughs> well, there you go. Stop overthinking it, Gary. There you go. Stop overthinking it. And colors... You know, just have a little bit of offering there, but it, you can boil it down to that simple, you know, something to get your attention in the darker water, something with a darker profile in the clearer water? Uh, yeah. Um, well, really, like you said, kind of matching the hatch. If you look at a chartreuse um, in dark water, it kind of looks brown. And then, okay. you know, if you're throwing a brown in brown water, that seems to work better. Huh. And, uh I mean like a light purple, you know, in clear water, a light white. It's just don't want to use anything that's too, you know. Odd. Yeah. Um, what about hard baits? Oh, um, mirror lures are always a go-to. You know, the MR-17, MR-52, um, depending on what size fish you're looking to catch. The MR-52 is a bigger bait. It's usually going to catch a bigger fish, and the MR-17 tends to get more bites but smaller fish so. so if you're in a trout tournament and you do not have the ability to throw live shrimp are you throwing soft plastic or hard plastic i'm throwing hard plastic all day for a tournament mm-hmm. if you got people on the boat that aren't necessarily fishing savvy and you can't put them on live bait are you having your people on the boat throw soft or hard it's soft for sure all right so let's start with soft then why do you have more novice anglers throwing soft plastic um really just because any kind of movement you give it looks good so if you put a paddle tail in the water you know you could twitch it it looks good you just reel it slow it looks good um 
obviously, you know, it's it's better to twitch it just like a worm. You know, if you're a bass fisherman, I always say, you know, act just like it's a fake worm. Twitch it a couple times, let it fall to the bottom. And uh, a slower presentation is always usually better. Slower presentation. So what is, if I'm not, if I'm not just instructed to just reel it back, steady retrieve, your instructions for the jig in action are what? Like bounce it off the bottom to give it a, just a one pop and then? Yeah, I usually do about three pops, just real subtle ones. Though. You know, you want to move it six or eight inches at a time. And it's just bump, 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 let it fall back down. As soon as you feel it hit, do it again. So it's keeping it moving just really slow. And so the jig head is enough to where it slow falls but doesn't, bounce off the bottom too bad yep um as light as you can get away with always just so you can feel the bite better um if you're fishing a foot to five foot of water it's going to be you know a 16th or an eight ounce an eighth um if you're in deep water like at the jetties with a lot of current you got to go to three sixteenths or a quarter just get a little heavier you got a jig head you like these days man i like the trout eye i like blue water candy they're they're all good okay um, it seems like I like certain ones with certain plastics. I don't know. I just get, you know, yeah. you catch fish on it and you're like, you hey, stick with that it. That works. So. And if we're on your boat, are we like Billy and I on your boat and we're both throwing soft plastic? Are we, are we targeting different parts of the water column until we figure it out? Or are you having us both basically come off the bottom, jig it up a little bit, maintain contact? Um, it's usually always on the bot maintaining contact with the bottom. Cause when you twitch it up, it, you always get the bite on the fall. So, you know, you twitch it up a few times, your bite's going to be as soon as it starts falling again. Um, so that's usually how I try to... Everyone's usually the same on the boat. It just... And I guess my other question will go to habitat now. Is there a type of trout habitat where soft plastic would actually be better than live shrimp? Yeah, um... If you have no current, you know, a slack tide or something like that, and you're trying to work a really long shell bank, you know, you obviously can't float a shrimp with no current. So you could take your trolling motor and go right down it and bounce all the way down there and throw in a soft plastic and usually find them somewhere on it. All right, now talk to me a little bit about the action you like when you're throwing a hard plastic. Um, Same thing, depends on which one you're throwing, but usually just a, a pretty good twitch every 5-10 seconds. Um, depending on what bait you've got, you know, the MR 52, if you, that's, like I said, my favorite hard plastic probably, but if you twitch it you can see it, it kind of just rolls a little bit and they're, they look really good when you do like, I don't know exactly how hard to say to twitch it, but you know, I guess what I, what question I'm thinking of as I'm trying to picture this is like, we're, let's imagine there is current. Am I throwing up current to retrieve? Am I throwing down current to retrieve? Um, I usually throw a little bit up current, down current usually tries to, you know, bring your bait up to the top. So, um, you want to keep it down. So if the current's moving really fast, you got to throw up current just to get it falling down, coming back to you. I usually try to get perpendicular to the current and just let it go a little bit. And as soon as you feel it, you know, get way out of the strike zone and reel it back up. So you're bringing it, when you throw it that way, you're bringing it back to yourself, but the current is also moving it down and away. Yep but not to the point where it's not letting it hit the bottom. Exactly. With a soft plastic, you, I mean, a hard plastic, you usually won't get it to the bottom, which is right. the goal. It's going to stay about mid-water column, a little lower. So. 
so tell me about the trout season down your way in Ocean Isle. Like, trout year-round? We've got them year-round, for sure. Um, Mid-November to the end of December is the best. Is the best for numbers? It's the best for size? Both. Um, more numbers, but, you know, your average is going to be 18 to 20 inches, you know, good quality fish. And it seems like our bigger ones, man, are coming around December and huh. they usually stay till about March or April. So. And the, the big ones will stay that long. So you're catching trout through January, February, March. Like oh, yeah. someone calls you, you got confidence you can put them on some fish. For sure. I've got a lot more confidence in January and February than I do in July and August. So, Well, I'll tell you what, Trip. Give me, give me the Captain Hook Outdoors fishing calendar, you know, the brief version. Like what you guys are targeting throughout the year, you know, start with, you know, I guess start with spring and then take me through to the winter. All right. Um, in the spring, it's a lot of trout right there around March, April, May. Um, the redfish are there really good. You know, when the heat of summer comes through, we're catching a lot of flounder, but as Billy said earlier, can't take them home. So <laughs> that changes a lot of people's minds. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, you can understand that. And then we still catch a few trout through the summer, just not not as good, and they're not as big. Um, the red fishing stays good year-round. Um, right now we've got, of course, the big bulls coming through the inlets. Okay. And so that's a good thing to target in the fall. And then in the next couple of weeks, it'll be on to trout. All right, give me some final thoughts, man. What is something that you've learned about a trout that it took you a while to figure out? Uh, not to... Uh, Water depth does not matter. That's I always used to think, you know, they were in the holes and they it had to be at least five or six foot deep. But like I said, I've caught more big ones probably in, you know, one to three foot of water really shallow than, you know, you would expect. So. Right on. Man, uh, I think this concludes our conversation about artificials and live bait for trout. You know, we could say fall trout, but I think what we said in our beginning notes is really it's beyond fall trout. This is everything we talked about applies spring or fall. For sure. Yep. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank Trip, you. Thank you for talking. Yes, sir. Thank you for sharing. Billy. All right. What's up, Gary? I know you like a trout. If I could catch them. I had threatened you to pay attention, but I know you like a trout and you're going to pay attention anyway. I am paying attention. And this is when you give me Billy's best takeaway. Uh, well, it changed last minute. Like when Tripp said that, you know, the myth of trout are deep in the water, like deep, deep holes. I always thought that too until he just now said it. And I'm like, whoa. I agree. It's changed my life. <laughs> well, only if I test it and prove it's right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, man. I like that information. But, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I was, I was always under the assumption that it was, uh, was, you know, trout are deep in the cold water, whatever. So, um, yeah, I got a lot to learn about trout fishing, man. I, I tried to catch some yesterday. Didn't go so well. I think everybody <laughs> has a lot to learn about trout fishing, man. They're just one of those species. Yeah, so... It seems like you spend a lifetime, yeah. like, fine-tuning. I mean, I guess you could say that about any. But trout, true, especially, yeah. it seems like you spend a lifetime fine-tuning. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, probably like those mountain trout. I think they're all the same. All skittish. And I don't care about them. I know you don't. I just wanted to say well, it. Because I love mountain now. trout. <laughs> <laughs> this is, 
I'm not editing that's that another, either, Gary. That's another podcast. No, it's not. Because we're a saltwater podcast. We're never talking about it. That's I gotta, what I mean. I got to jam that's it in That's what I mean. <laughs> you need another podcast to talk about mountain trout. I have too many podcasts. Let's talk about how to watch, how to listen Deal. on this podcast. Uh, I will show this slide one more time. If you're watching, if you're listening, you can go check us out on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, and also, if you want to watch the video, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Have a lot of fun over there. Leave us some comments. Uh, let us know if you have any questions. Just not about fishing because I can't answer them. But Trip will be on there. Maybe he'll come back and, and check it out. He's got plenty of downtime. He's it's not like he's busy. We'll, we'll talk to him about that later. We just want him to monitor our YouTube account and answer yeah. everyone's questions Facebook, for free. Facebook, YouTube, yeah. Yeah. Instagram. We'll give him all the he's logins. A, he's younger. He's yeah. social media. He's he'll do the, it. He's got the energy. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, what else are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about Marine Warehouse being awesome. Got this awesome hat. If you guys want one like it, be sure to go grab one. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, like to stress, man, you know, they are an organization that encompasses everything. Sales, service, parts. And again, I think a big part of them is they're not just serving the boating and fishing community. They're a part of the boating community. They're a part of the fishing community. I think that's part of their brand and it's part of the relationship Fisherman's Post and this podcast has had with them. Yeah, absolutely. They fish all your tournaments and win them all. And they don't win them all, but I tell you what, they did win some. You know what? After my fishing day yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised if I get a call for to be a tournament angler. Yeah, you somebody. should. <laughs> you should definitely pay me money to enter a tournament. You should definitely give me your entry fee money. Hey, man, can I get a kayak with a trolling motor? Is that yes. it? <laughs> yes. All right, perfect. I'm in. <laughs> well, Gary, that's good, man. Good all show. Right. Yeah, man. All right, Thank you very much. It, dude. Thanks.